This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's mentally yours from Ellen and Uh, focus on your mental health, you surely won't regret. It's mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. Mentally yours. Hi everyone, and welcome to Mentally Yours, Metro.co.uk's weekly mental health podcast. I'm Yvette, and today we're chatting to Claire Halsey. She's a psychologist and she's also a trainer and implementation consultant at Triple P. We're going to be chatting about parenting struggles and children's mental health. My background is as a clinical psychologist and I've worked with families well, for rather longer than I'd like to admit, to be quite honest, over uh, three decades. I love the work that I do. I've most recently started to work with Triple P Positive Parenting Programme, and my role is really to support uh, areas that want to deliver Triple P, which is um, support to parents um, across the UK, and to make sure that parents get the sort of advice, intervention and support that they need so that they can create that loving, happy, supportive family environment that we all want for our children. Mm, absolutely. Just before we go into a bit more about Triple P, um, could you tell us a little bit more about your background as a psychologist? Did you specialise in working with uh, children of a certain age or or any other sort of thing like that? Well, yes, absolutely. My background, I'd initially wanted to work particularly with adolescents, it's a challenging but really fascinating and rewarding group. But actually, I found that I really enjoyed working with uh, the whole age range, um, antenatal right through to, you know, to those who are coming to the end of their adolescence. So that's the bulk of my career is working with children directly, but also absolutely with families. They're so vital for that sort of that early background, that secure and loving place that children grow from. So I, you know, I expanded and worked essentially with families for most of most of my career. 
Mm, that's fascinating. So would you sort of run um, sort of therapy sessions with with whole families and kind of discuss issues that were sort of going on for them? Absolutely. And and it's really led by the, the young person or child and the family as to how how they want to be involved. So I would, some, I would see children individually, but also as family groups, or I might work directly with the parents, with the child there sometimes or, or not there, depending on what the issue was. So I try to be really flexible to meet family needs. Not everybody um, can manage a sort of whole family meeting early doors when they're having difficulties. So I like to make sure that that flexibility is there, you know, to adapt to what what people really want. Mm. What are some of those the most common issues that families have come to you with? It's changed more recently. I think that's 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 the key thing. So, for most of the, my career, it's tended to be family conflict. Um, in the early years, child behaviour issues or child challenges around education, enjoying school, and things like that. Um, conflict escalating in adolescence as children start to do slightly riskier things and sometimes we're not prepared on how to handle that and a lot of my work has been around the fact that you know children don't come with a manual do they Um, and there's an expectation that parenting comes naturally when in fact it's a really complex task and it needs a lot of effort put into it in in the last sort of more recent years there's been a lot more issues around child mental health and that's become more more readily recognized and services have really developed to try to support children whether it's anxiety or low mood self-harm or the more you know the more challenging situations for children where they might be eating disorder issues so those have certainly been more present more recently and Right now, as I'm sure you know, um, with the pandemic and getting back to school, uh, anxieties shot through the roof really sadly as part of the post-pandemic impact on children, but also on families as a whole. Um, parents as well are experiencing real challenges. Mm, I'm, I'm really glad, glad you brought that up because that's what I was sort of going to move on to, the kind of mental health issues that children have been struggling with um, through the pandemic. And then yeah, now having to sort of get back to school. Um, What are the sort of biggest issues that they're facing, the biggest challenges? Well, what parents are telling us at Triple P is that they don't feel their children are ready to go back to school. Um, Really because of the pandemic, they've been isolated. And of course, we've spent a couple of years basically telling telling our population quite rightly to be worried, to, you know, to, to stay at home, to protect themselves. And now, of course, things that we're trying to get back to normal, but it takes a long time to actually change from staying isolated, staying away from people to flipping it to getting back into school, getting back into work and, other, and out in public socialising and setting aside those worries about sort of catching COVID or, you know, that sort of thing. So, that's where a lot of the worries have come from. And the other element is children have missed out on developmentally really important activities, developing social skills through uh, meeting friends and socialising, whether it's a toddler group or it's a social group in school or it's a, it's a hobby or a sport. Those sort of opportunities to grow and, and bond with others uh, have really been missed. And that makes children quite anxious about creating or reforming those friendships when they go back into school and similarly for parents they've missed out on those social gatherings and social opportunities and they haven't had that support that they might have had in typical years mm. and it also must be just hard for children in terms of the way that their um 
their learning has changed because again if you've been at home just with a parent sort of one-on-one learning to being back into a classroom where it's usually a fairly large classroom um, and having to kind of ignore people around you that must be quite a challenge as well for some children. I think you've hit on a really good point there because you know we have a wide diversity of children attending school with different needs and some who need you know, a very focused and quiet environment and other who, others who thrive on that big, discursive, active opportunity. But yes, getting back into that noisy, shared learning and also, you know, being ready to listen and cooperate, you know, pick out the important things from what a teacher's asking you to do. All those sort of learning skills as well as that busy environment. It's a big change, particularly if, you know, you've really enjoyed being in a slightly quieter or calmer setting during pand- the pandemic. So plenty going on there for children. It's so important that, you know, we, we put in lots of extra support, to, especially to families to get through this time. Hmm. If children are struggling with, with going back to school, what kind of things um, happen? I mean, what sort of, I suppose what I'm saying is how do they present, you know, what, what sort of warning signs might a parent see? Or is it as obvious as just a child saying, like refusing to go to school? That's a really interesting question because actually um, anxiety can present in lots of different ways, including real disobedience. Um, And that can mask an underlying anxiety. So being being really, um, you know, not wanting to do as they're told, you know, objecting to doing everyday things like maybe helping out with going shopping or going out somewhere can actually be based on anxiety and underneath that it isn't always as obvious it can it can feel like being belligerent or angry when actually underneath it is I'm not ready to cope with this situation and it's at that point that parents can really help um, and I think one of the one of the issues around anxiety which parents often talk to me about um is how hard it is when a child is distressed to persist and get them to try something or go back to school or do that school journey when really you want to say to them, don't worry, it's okay, stay at home Um, because it's so distressing seeing a child distressed, isn't it? When in fact, by trying to relieve their distress in that moment, what can happen is it actually magnifies the anxiety because the child's not faced it. So sometimes as a parent, we can think we're helping and trying to minimise the distress when actually it makes it more difficult the next day when they've got to face the same thing. Mm. Oh, it does sound difficult. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a parent, but it, I do have a niece and nephew and it, yeah, it's, it does sound tricky. So how can parents support children who are struggling um, with sort of the, the change after the, yeah, the past few years? There are lots of different ways to help families and children and and their children. And some of those are making sure that they're well supported. So they feel well grounded and their worries and concerns, they've they've turned to a friend or a partner to address those or they've sought help for themselves. So they're feeling in a really good place. Maybe reform some of those supportive groups of other parents by maybe you know, connecting at the school gate or helping out in the school so they can they really recharge their battery. That's the first, the first thing. And the second maybe is to get some support around 
um, their child's anxiety. For example, uh, the Triple P Positive Parenting Programme has got a fantastic resource called Fearless Triple P, which helps parents where children are experiencing anxiety with some super practical ideas to support the child to address and manage their anxious thoughts and feelings and get on with their life in a way that's really helpful. So I think seeking help from a professional, whether that's um, your local health services or um, the Triple P Parenting, which can be accessed online, is, is really valuable. And I think one of the things that we've found can get in the way of that is that parents do experience or tell us that it's it can feel stigmatising to reach out for parenting support. So we recently um, did a poll with over 350 families and the results of that showed that 75% thought they might be judged for asking for parenting help. And I find that so saddening. You know, it, raising a child is one of the most important and complicated tasks I think we could ever do. And yet it's so difficult to ask for help. Mm. There is this weird idea, though, isn't there, that, as you said earlier, that it, it should sort of come naturally to people and they should just magically know sort of what to do but that's that's just not how it is is it I mean I, I think a lot of people well I mean I think all parents you end up kind of learning on the job but um yeah I can definitely see how people might sort of feel embarrassed about reaching out for help around it um but it's a tricky one isn't it I mean I'm absolutely and I, I think it's interesting though isn't it because antenatal classes are really well accepted so it's it's totally okay to come and learn about having your baby in those early days. And essentially, we want to extend that acceptability to the other stages in raising a child, whether that's raising a, you know, a child you know, who's in primary school or a teen or one who's experiencing some other challenges in life, like uh, a child who might be having some anxiety or other issues. So, you know, parenting programs are for everybody because you're absolutely right. It, there, there's no manual um, and we all judge ourselves too. We expect that this might come naturally ourselves. And so when inevitably our child has that t- temper tantrum in public, we're in the supermarket and we see people staring at us, we always interpret that as if we're being judged. When I suspect that quite a lot of people walking past are thinking and looking with sympathy, and they're just grateful it's not them this time that are having to manage the public tantrum. So we sometimes interpret how we're being seen in a negative way when it's not intended that way. Absolutely. And I think maybe for women especially, there's kind of this idea of, there's a really sort of harmful thing around sort of bad mothers you know the idea of being a bad mother so maybe people think oh if if I'm reaching out for help that means that I'm not a good enough mother to start with but that's it's just it's just not like that is it I mean it's you can always get better at something can't you you know it's like it's, it's sort of like any sort of skill you know you, you wouldn't sort of expect to just sort of wake up and and be able to I don't know play the piano brilliantly you know even if you had a natural talent for it to start with you can always practice and you can always get better can't you you're absolutely right. I think this, we see so many um, portrayals, don't we, of the perfect parent? You know, there's the, you know, the loving, you know, the adverts where the p- parents are looking lovingly at the baby. And of course, when we're out and about and we see other parents, they always look like they're in control and the, the, the baby's settled. It looks so calm. Underneath that, that parent's also probably worrying about the baby crying or doing something in, in public that they're 
that they won't be able to cope with, but we interpret it that everybody else is coping and it's only us who are not. And you're right. Um, I was thinking of the piano as you just said that, Yvette, actually. Um, We're happy to sort of watch, you know, a baking programme to learn to cook. And we're happy to go to a class, you know, to learn another language or, you know, to learn another skill. And yet this one is the one we kind of really have to think hard about going to. So uh, I think that's the beauty of why some programs like the triple p programs gone online and you can actually do do the the parenting programs with an online version so it's a little bit less public and maybe reduces the stigma but i i think if people start talking to each other about how helpful parenting programs and parenting courses have been well gradually it'll come out into society that actually this is a good thing rather than something that shows that you're not okay in your parenting um, and it, these are all very non-judgmental programs. So parents are supported to learn new skills and there's no judgment about not being able to do a complex task without any training or, or learning at all. Yeah. So tell us about a bit more about the resources available on Triple P, the sort of things that people can learn. So I'll start off by talking a little bit about the Fear Less program, and that's for parents of children who might be showing some anxiety And the program essentially helps parents to understand a bit more about anxiety. So how it grows and develops and the sort of ideas, practical things that they can do to help. Things like talking about themselves as role models, some strategies to reduce anxiety and help children who are sometimes caught in thinking traps. So a typical thinking trap might be that um, a child's come back from school and she's, she's come home and said, I walked into the school gates and just as I walked in, all my friends turned their back on me and ignored me when I walked in. They all hate me. Um, You know, I'm never going to have any friends. The child might start to do what we might call awfulizing, which is build it up in their mind that, you know, they're going to have a terrible time in the school because they won't have friends. And the programme teaches parents to ask the child, well, what could be the other reasons that a child's turned their back on you? Your friends have turned their back when you walk through into the playground let's think of three other things it could be and between them they might generate well the bell just went off so they turned to go in the door well they were looking at their phones and I know there's a really good you know new clip on TikTok and they they turned to look at it so maybe they didn't see me and they just turned to look at at TikTok or maybe uh, somebody called from across the playground I thought I heard something and they turned to look at them and so the parents then gets the child to think about which one of those was most likely. And the child might say, well, actually, they were probably looking looking at their phones and sharing a clip. Perhaps it wasn't about me after all. So just talking through an example like that, you can go from thinking you're friendless to thinking, actually, I might go and, you know, perhaps I should have just walked up and said, oh, what are you looking at? And it wasn't really about, uh, you know, an anxiety-provoking situation. Obviously, that's a very tiny example from the programme um, and there's a lot more to it. But they're all really practical ideas that help parents help their child to reduce anxiety. And we have more broader programmes there for, for parents who just want to know a bit more about parenting and to check in really that they're doing the right thing. So we have versions for, for those parenting children what to 12 and for teenagers and they're all available online. So I'd, I'd say if, if anybody's interested to look to look us up and if you Google the word triple and the letter P, you'll find us. Mm. 
Um, I have another huge question now. Okay. Um, because um, obviously the, the pandemic's been really difficult for a lot of people and obviously parents included. Um, what challenges can children face if a parent or guardian has been struggling with their own mental health or has even been in a mental health crisis? Mm. That's such a good and important question. And yes, you're right. It's it's a big one. Um I think, I think some of the issues there can be around the child being really worried for their own parents and concerned for them. And sometimes, you know, it can happen that the child becomes the carer of the parent and that can be part of the change in the relationship in the home. So that sort of flipping of, uh, you know, who's dependent on who can occur. And that can be tr- quite challenging for the parent and for the child. And and I guess that's where support from services is so vital. So there are services out there for children who are carers to make sure that they do get to support their parent, because many of them really, you know, do want to do that and want to care for their parent. But also they get opportunities to be childish and childlike and have, you know, those those children's experiences as well. Um, and and also are supported to know to how to help their their parent or carer because it's a delicate balance isn't it as to when you do step in and help and when you you seek help from outside the home so those are those are what I would say are key challenges and what I know of parents is um, the parents I've worked with over the years are always want to support their child and want to do their very best and I think when when a child is caring for a parent there can be a lot of difficult feelings the parent also has to, to handle that I would hope that they can seek help for themselves as part of their their own mental health support because it it is difficult when you're not in the parent role and you and you want to be. Mm. How can we support those children whose parents are struggling with their mental health? I'm thinking sort of whether it's sort of teachers or extended family. What can they do to support support those kids? Sometimes the most important thing for for anyone and a child particularly came for someone else is to be listened to, to have someone they can go to when when there's not a crisis and when there might be. And that can be it can be that person in school. So it could be anyone in the school. It could be their teacher, could be a care assistant. It could be the pastoral care in the school. But having having somebody who you know has got your back and you can turn to for have a, to have a quiet word um, or be moved into a quiet spot if things have got too much for you. And many school settings now have quiet spaces where you can say to, you know, say to your teacher or whoever's with you, I just need a moment. And those are really vital so that there's some thinking space and they know there's someone who will step in and support them um, you know, when they need to. There are also counselling and other services that school can link you into uh, for the child as well. Those are those are really helpful. Mm. And this is possibly an even harder question. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you might not even want to answer this. I don't know. <laughs> what about sort of, because um, again, with the pandemic, I think really a lot of people's mental health has been affected. People who haven't sort of struggled in the past. Um, what about people who haven't actually asked for help or accessed services, but it is still having an effect on their family, if that makes sense. If someone's not reached out for help, but they are struggling, then I think strengthening their existing friendship group and, you know, 
is is a vital part of that. So going, getting back with the friends we perhaps lost touch with or didn't have the opportunity to meet during the pandemic, rebuilding those relationships if you can with help or, or if you feel confident enough, because that's contact with another person who knows you well is very protective. A, it boosts you, but it also that person will notice when you've changed or are different and might help you to get help. It's a very sensitive subject for family and friends, isn't it, though, when somebody's presenting with difficulties that they're not acknowledging. So it's a gentle conversation saying that starts with saying just we've no, we've noticed that, you know, you, things have changed with you a little bit. How can we help? Have you, you know, have you realised, have you recognised that as well? So it's a real gentle starter to try to get people back into service or, or services or to start accessing them. And it usually works well if they already have a trusted person in those services. And that could be their health visitor if they had younger children, or it could be their GP or another, or a person in a voluntary sector organisation they might have had a relationship with previously. So use that route in if services are needed to someone they, they already trust. Because that's key, isn't it, I think, to get help. You, you need to build that trusting relationship and feel confident that you'll be heard and listened to and, and your difficulties acknowledged. How naturally resilient children are. Um, but is this really the case? I just wanted to ask you, because obviously with all your experience as a psychologist and your work with families, that is something that gets sort of thrown around a lot, the, the resilient words. And, um, yeah, I just wonder what your thoughts are on that. I think... Yes, you're right. Children are quite naturally resilient, but it also is a learnt skill. So all of those around a child can help them with that bounce back, that ability to think flexibly. So the, the idea of resilience really is that that you have enough um, thinking capacity and strategies to find a way through if you've been disappointed or if life events have occurred that have really thrown you. So I'll give you a relatively trivial example just to just to bring it to life a little bit so for example um if if a child's been really putting their all into practicing to either join a a team at school it could be the debating team or the football team or the drama club and then they don't get in a, a child with bounce back would be able to think to themselves and acknowledge look that was really disappointing i'm upset about this in the moment i'm really upset and disappointed but I could do something about that. What will I do? I'm, you know, maybe next time I'm going to um, work a bit harder or try something different. Or actually, perhaps this isn't for me and I'm going to try a different hobby. So they've got some flexible thinking and they can say to themselves, well, this is one thing I didn't do. But actually last week I managed to achieve, you know, joining the, going to the spelling bee and doing quite well. They're able to think around a disappointment or a difficult event and plan for the next success. And that comes from watching others do it. So from watching people in their family or their friends or their teachers or others in their life, family members, doing that same thing. And it's really helpful when people are being resilient around children to actually say it out loud so the child can hear the steps they've taken to bounce back and, and do that. And children often are resilient because they've got that supportive network, whether that's one good close friend or a teacher who that they, you know, they, they can turn to or their, their parents, their family, their, 
grandparents are often uh, the people that children turn to, aren't they, for those quiet words and what should I do about this? So that's that's what I would call bounce back and resilience, being able to problem solve, reset and have another go or change tack, you know, in your life and use it as a learning experience rather than, well, I'm, I'm not going to try again. I'm never going to achieve this, which would be the thoughts that you'd want to, to adjust or resist. So this is goodbye from mentally yours. So go away, enjoy your day, get on with all your chores from mentally, 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 mentally yours. Mentally yours. If you've been affected by any of the issues we've been chatting about today, please give the Samaritans a ring on 116 123. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and subscribe to our channel and perhaps even go back and listen to some old episodes. We have many of them. Also, you can get in contact with us. We have a lovely Facebook group, which is called Mentally Yours. And we're also on Twitter at MentallyYRS. See you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.